this place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Hello and welcome back again to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck. This is our third episode in three days, recording wise. So uh, you're getting your money's worth this uh, this week, which uh, we appreciate all our listeners. You're free ninety nine. Um, yeah, you're free ninety nine. Yeah, um, it's. I know we took a couple weeks off QB. We were, you know, we were kind of you. You were off some some bit. I was off for a bit, and just getting the schedules coordinated. And, and as I said on last episode with Hop. You know, there, it's been kind of a quiet few weeks anyway, so there hasn't exactly been a ton of pressing content we've needed to cover. So, you know, we're resting and recharging, and obviously we're going to be going twice a week from Labor Day through December. So, you know, a little bit of lull in the summer. Appreciate you all bearing with us and giving us some some grace there, and uh, uh, it's going to start coming hot and heavy uh, real fast. So we got a lot to cover today. QB, first of all, it's great to have you back. I missed you. Missed you on the last couple episodes. Uh, it's been missed a few you weeks. Too. Yeah, it's been it's been a little too long. I know, you, obviously, you had a vacation, and then shortly after I had one, I took my dad to the uh, Arsenal-Barcelona match at SoFi in Los Angeles last week, and so spent some time with some, some family down in California and went to the game and had a good little, like, kind of break from everything, and now it's ready to finish the, that grind to the end of the season or to, towards the towards the season, through the season to the end, and then into recruiting season. So um, this is kind of our last chance if we were going to take breaks with the pod. Yeah, for sure. And and I know, you know, the people are probably tired of listening to me, uh, the, our loyal listeners who've now listened to me three days in a row. Uh, I spent about 30 minutes talking about Colorado Conference Realignment, Oregon. And then obviously uh, on yesterday's episode, Hop and I spent a lot of time talking about SNL, and I got his thoughts on some of those things. And so I think uh, today I'm going to mostly try to tee you up and let you talk QB about kind of a hodgepodge of topics that we've agreed on here. And yeah. um, if you're ready, to, we'll just we'll just fire away with one on one. Obviously, conference realignment, uh, Pac-12 lack of media deal, Colorado bolting to the Big 12. Is Arizona next? Who might happen after that? What's going on with Florida State and Clemson and Oregon and Washington? So. Uh, I'll just let you ramble on with your thoughts on all of those things because everyone's heard me already. Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of things. I think my first thought was immediately once Colorado left was, like, the issue, the instability in my – this is my opinion, right? Like, there's no way for me to know for sure. But the my perceived instability with the Pac-12 conference is the lack of stability with Oregon and Washington, right? Like, I don't think that 
anybody trusts that Oregon and Washington are committed to this for the long haul. While as where you look at the Big 12 as an entity, you have zero top 20 recruiting teams. You have zero teams that are going to be like potential flight risks to the SEC or the Big Ten at this point. Um, I mean, shoot, we're talking about the same a team, sorry, a conference full of the same teams that the Pac-12 wanted nothing to do with 12 months ago, right? So I just think that with all those things being considered, um, Colorado was looking like, hey, well, these are these teams are like us. Um, They have a TV deal locked in that we'd be happy with. We're not actually really wanting to compete for national titles anyway. And what we're looking for is financial security going into the future. And the Big 12 can offer them that. Um, whereas whereas the Pac-12 might be a riskier solution for them, just given the fact that um, they're a less appealing brand to anybody else. And so if the Pac-12 were to dissolve because Oregon and Washington left, there might not be a spot in the Big 12 form. So it's kind of move now or move never and risk, right? And that's not, that's not a risk you could take. So... Um, I think ultimately Arizona will end up doing the same thing. And so the question really becomes what's going to happen with Oregon and Washington. Um, are Oregon and Washington going to be forced into a situation where they get moved to the big 12? I don't think that's particularly likely um, because I think what a lot of people forget is it's not the big 12 or the big 10 that have the leverage. It's Fox. Um, and so Fox is going to dictate where Oregon and Washington are playing in 2024 and beyond. Um, and so, I think that they're going to ultimately end up packaging Oregon up with their top brands in the Big Ten um, because it doesn't make a lot of sense if they're looking to maximize the value um, to have Oregon and Washington playing uh, Baylor, TCU, and EYU. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm, we're all guessing. We've all been guessing the entire time. Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that Arizona seems likely to make the same move that Colorado did. Um, because there just really is no stability in the Pac-12 as long as there's uncertainty surrounding the two biggest brands remaining. Yeah, no, I, you know, like I said, I've talked about this at length, and I, I pretty much agree with most of of the of the things you said. One thing I didn't mention uh, on either of the previous two episodes that you just brought up, which I think bears repeating, is that the conferences aren't really the ones driving these decisions anymore. It's the networks. It's ESPN when it comes to the SEC and it's Fox when it comes to the Big Ten. And if you look down the road to what most people think is happening in the larger picture of college football, particularly, is it is Fox and ESPN carving up the map and trying to trying to get as many of the major brands and and markets and everything under their under their umbrella and away from their um you know, from from their rivals umbrella, if you will. And that's precisely why, when we talked about this at the time, that's precisely why Fox wanted UCLA in the Big Ten in addition to USC. It was to lock out ESPN from the LA market. Um, and, and if you look ahead, I think that's where you see how is Fox going to manipulate um teams to be where they can control them, right? If if Fox puts Oregon and manipulates Oregon and Washington to be in the Big 12, they're paying less for that, but they also are only getting some of that inventory because ESPN controls about two-thirds of the football inventory in the Big 12. Do they want to do they want to let ESPN do that? Maybe, maybe for a short period of time, but maybe they're now more willing to to take that on under their umbrella on a full-time basis. And the same thing when you start looking at the, the ACC, whenever that starts getting carved up, whether it's 
next week or or next decade. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that like some of the rumors coming out right now are that that it wouldn't just be Oregon, Washington, but it'd also be Clemson and Florida State, which I think opens up a whole other bunch of questions. Like if it's Clemson and Florida State, what's happening with UNC? Um, why would Clemson and Florida State go to the Big Ten over the SEC? I mean, I think I can make an argument for why. Um, I think they're more valuable entities to the Big Ten. I think they're kind of redundant markets um, in the SEC. Um, and if the if the Big Ten is really wanting to go national, securing the two top brands remaining, if you consider anything that's not already Big Ten or SEC to be remaining, um, in the southeastern portion of the United States would be a massive coup for them. So um, it it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I, I really don't think at this point that we're going to be waiting a whole lot longer to find out what's going to happen. Um, I just don't see Oregon getting into a, a position where they're in a rush to lock themselves into the big 10 or big 12. I, I don't, I think if that was going to happen, I think it would have already happened. Um, Oregon is Oregon and Washington are clearly more desirable brands for the big 12 than Colorado or Arizona. Um, or any of the four corner schools. And so if it was a situation where Oregon didn't have another option, why was Oregon not the first school to move to the Big 12? And I think it's because that's not where they want to be. Yeah, I don't – I said this before. I don't think Oregon has any interest in the Big 12, and, and nor do I think Washington has any interest in the Big 12. And I think the only way they end up there is is literally – you know, as a last resort, like the, the big 10 slams the door and the PAC 12 falls apart to the point where they have no choice, but to go. I, I think both of those schools would take a significantly reduced payout to stay in the PAC 12 and keep their options open or in the yeah. medium term versus, versus going to the big 12. Yep. And that's, and that's, again, that's been my opinion this entire time. So I'll be really interested to see kind of how it pans out over the next couple of weeks to months. I don't know how long, timeline is but it sounds like from everything that's being put out there online um from people with with much better sources than what you or i have access to that um, we should have some kind of resolution at least on the arizona front probably this week okay i'm gonna ask you for two bold predictions qb on this topic before we move on number one will we know by the first by the kickoff of portland state where oregon will be playing football in the 2024 season yes or no yes Second bold question: Where will that be? I think I again. I'm hopeful. I'm an optimist. Um, I think it's going to be the Big Ten. I just think if you look at and we're about to jump into it, I'm sure. But if you look at the way that Oregon's behaving financially, they're acting like they've got they're spending in a way that they've never spent before, and it's either because they they really see an opportunity here with the coaching staff that they've brought together, or because they see an opportunity and they realize that they're going to have a lot access to a lot more funds than they've had in the past. It'll be interesting to see kind of what that looks like. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just follow on with, with that. And then we'll go to the next topic. When I recorded my, my podcast uh, 48 hours ago about Colorado and Oregon and realignment. And my prediction was that Oregon would most likely be playing in the PAC 12 in 2024. And I gave the odds of the big 10 at, you know, maybe 20 to 25 percent i think those odds in my opinion now the odds may have not have changed but my opinion my perception of the odds have changed significantly in the last 48 hours due to a number of factors things that things that have been out in the public sphere on twitter on message boards things that have been said to me by people i know personally um 
and some other things. So I, I, I agree with you. I think the odds of, of the Big Ten are, are increasing. I don't know if I'm willing to say it's the most likely thing now, but I think it's a lot closer than it was, in my opinion, 48 hours ago. So we'll see. I agree with you. We'll know. We'll know before the end of the month, before the end of August. So yeah, let's move on. Um, Dan Lanning got a new contract. I talked about it with Hop on the last episode. Definitely interested in getting your take on there. I'll just talk real quick about the high-level financials and then let you talk about the impact of that. Um, Seven million base salary to start goes up two hundred grand a year. Um, he can get extra years added onto the back end automatically by winning ten regular season games. That can happen up to three times. There's heavy incentive packages for basically anything over ten wins. You start getting extra money, playoff money, bowls. Um, you know, winning playoff games, so on and so forth, you can add another million and a half a year in incentives. So in addition to that, there's a million a year in deferred compensation. So the, the baseline salary is essentially 8 million and goes up 200 grand a year. This is huge. Tell me why. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, Oregon's never spent like this before, <laughs> like not even close. Like, I don't think they've even considered it. It's actually funny because, when the whole Mario Cristobal saga was going on, like there was some things, there were some rumblings that we had heard from the back end of the Oregon program that like no, none of the boosters and Phil weren't super excited to pay top dollar for Mario. And at the time it was like, well, again, we're operating with a lot less information than the people that are making these decisions. But at the time it was like, well, if you're not going to spend for Mario, who are you ever going to spend for? Well, I guess the answer is Dan Lanning because Dan Lanning comes in and after one year, we're giving this guy an unprecedented and like a seriously unprecedented uh, contract in this. And I don't think it's, I don't think they were wrong to do so. In fact, I think it shows a lot of, well, first and foremost, I think it is an indicator of what's going to happen on the conference realignment front, because this is a lot of money. Um, I mean, it, again, what you talk, you're talking about about $8 million a year um, base salary. When you, when you account for the deferred payment, plus like Oregon contracts have always been very incentive heavy. Like you hit certain benchmarks and you have those incentives. And so like with benchmarks and having, or with the incentives and having a really good season, you end up having a contract that's worth like five or 6 million bucks by the end of it. Right. Well, Oregon's giving this guy a base salary that's closer to eight. And then they're also having a million and a half in incentives with a really good season. This guy's going to be making almost 10 million bucks. Right. So that that's a really interesting thing to begin with, right? Is Oregon is obviously having a, a philosophic shift, and I think it also like comes to that comment. I don't know if you have that comment handy that Rob Mullins made um, during I do. the press. Would you would you mind uh, reading that for me? Yeah, there's actually a few of them, and he because he kind of said similar things more than once, and I and in slightly different ways. And I'm going to read them all, even though they're somewhat duplicative, because I think. I think it's really important to listen to the, what he said and the specific wording he says. Um, Dan has exhibited tremendous leadership and an unwavering commitment to providing the best possible experience for our football student athletes. Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullen said the joint commitment. This is the part. The joint commitment is one component of a bold vision for the future of Oregon football that will allow our program to continue to compete at the highest level and on the cutting edge of innovation and excellence. Um, next part today's request for a contract extension for coach landing is the first part, the first part of a bold vision to ensure that Oregon football and Oregon athletics remain competitive at the highest level of college athletics into the future. 
not just college football into the future, college athletics into the future. So first part of a bold vision to ensure competitive at the highest level of athletics and one component. Those are key words. Yeah. And so what I, again, like first and foremost, I was looking at the numbers and I was just really impressed that Oregon had the guts to do something like this. Um, and I also, again, got the feeling that it was somewhat tied to conference realignment and then obviously the Colorado news. So there's a lot of factors playing into that. But then ultimately, like we talk about, I mean, we could go back and we could probably spend a whole podcast kind of talking about the history of the structure of the infrastructure of the Oregon football program. I mean, we are but about 10 years removed from the end of the Chip Kelly era where Oregon had its, I think at that time it was only eight on-field assistants or nine on-field assistants and one off-field recruiting coordinator. Oregon is, has a substantially larger support staff. They have analysts. They have a larger on-field staff because of rule changes. There's so much more from a personnel standpoint involved in the Oregon football program today than there was a dec- even a decade ago. And in order to be competitive at the highest level, you can't just pay one guy $8 bucks a year and, and, and consider that enough investment, right? Like th- that investment has to be flush across the entire program from an administrative standpoint, being able to, to pay guys like Marshall Malco more than basically two X of what the guy before him made um, so that you could retain not only have, but retain excellent talent. That seems like the shift here, right? Is um, when Oregon really wants to keep a guy, they're going to have the funds available to do so now. I um, mean, here's the deal. Guys are going to always leave for promotions. Like the Kenny Dillingham um, uh, move, for example, is one that's just unavoidable. Um, I think that Powledge leaving to be the defensive coordinator at Baylor is is something that can't, but you're not going to have guys leaving for lateral moves. And I think that this contract, including the massive buyout, go a long way to securing landing for the foreseeable future. I think that him and Sophia have planted roots. I think their kids love Eugene. And ultimately, when you read what Lanning's comments were coming off this contract extension, it's that they plan to be here until their kids are all grown. Um, like they want to give, they, they have an opportunity to give that stability. Um, and this kind of goes in line with some things that I've heard behind the scenes where this is the first guy that Phil has been all in on. Um, and I think that that is very apparent in this contract. I think that's very apparent in um, the way that the program is behaving around Dan and the resources that are being invested. And I think that this contract is only the beginning of an increase in investment in the football program. Um, and I think that we're going to see really tangible results of that here over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I wish I had it up in front of me, but I don't at the moment. But yeah, Dan made a comment about seeing all his kids graduate from the same school. His kids are pretty young. So, I, you know, and I talked about this on the Hop podcast. I mean, not only was this a big commitment um, by Oregon to, to Coach Landing, but it's also a big commitment by Coach Landing and his family to Oregon. And I think that two-way commitment is what I, I think resonated so well, not just with the fan base, and but also with the administration, right? And I think that's probably something they never really felt from some from Mario, uh, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, and maybe maybe that was fair, maybe that was unfair. But I, I, ne- I, I think that they're feeling a two way commitment here, in a yeah, way that they, I mean, they haven't in the past. From people I've talked to, like the only coach that's had this level of commitment to the university and in, in the program is probably Mike Bellotti. Um, like even Chip. Like again, I'm not saying that these guys weren't good coaches. I'm not saying that they didn't want to win at Oregon, but like. There is a there is a feeling around the program that Lanning is a hundred percent committed to being here for the long haul. 
Um, and I guess with a lot of the accusations by other fan bases and some even within the, our own fan base about um, this being a stepping stone job, uh, this is a really, like, I think this is a really good, I don't know, like kind of real, like there's a lot of battered, deranged Oregon fan syndrome, right? And I think that this is like a good signal to, to the fact that that doesn't need to be the case, right? Like there's, there are people that want to be here. There's the funds to keep them here as long as it's the right guy with the right fit. Um, and it really seems that Dan and Sophia Lanning are the right fit for Oregon and Eugene. Um, and it's a right fit, um, from an athletic department standpoint. And then also from a top line booster standpoint, everybody's on the same page and supporting him, um, as the guy. So I, I think that this is a mat. I, I think this is like the biggest thing that happened this off season. I think there's obviously a lot of on-field stuff that's really important and it's going to be great to see what the, what the team looks like here in, a, in only about a short month. Um, but this to me signals long-term commitment to the football program that Oregon has never, never had. Um, and I think that the fact that they're going to have some level of stability at the head coaching position for the long-term, um, is going to be a massive selling point on the recruiting trail. And I think if you were to parlay that with some type of big big 10 or conference realignment news, it could be a massive boon going forward. Yeah, I think... What's clear, you know, just anecdotally, I hear this from people down in Eugene all the time. They see Landing and his family in the community all 100%. the time. All we the we time. have a friend that had his freaking tab picked up at dinner by Landing a couple nights ago. Right. And that just, that is that is not that is not the case with some of the previous coaches. No, that's now. not normal. Sense Pilati, yeah. Uh, so I, it's clear he loves being here. I mean, is there a little risk on on Oregon going all in on him after one year? I mean. I, you could say so, I, but I obviously they feel like this is the guy, and they're gonna they're gonna take that risk, and they're gonna make a commitment and put a stake in the ground and say we're willing to probably pay over market right now based on one year's results, but lock him in long term. We didn't talk about the twenty million dollar buyout that never decreases, uh, so that's a commitment he's making back to the university. So yeah, well, I, this I, is I, how I look I'm at that you, yeah. too. Like like I don't know, people are like oh it's risky. He's only been here for a year. Well, it's like yeah, I guess if you are only making the decision based on the fact that he like on the 12 Saturdays he coached or whatever, however many Saturdays we played 13, right on the 13 Saturdays that he coached last year. And that's the only thing that, that is even part of your decision. Then yeah, it's a, it's, it's very, it's very risky. Um, It seems like you're just kind of taking a wild stab in the dark, but if you're even a little bit familiar with how this program has been ran since the beginning, um, since, since the beginning of his tenure, then this isn't a risk at all. Like infrastructurally, from a program management standpoint, from a CEO standpoint, this is by far the most competently led this program has ever been. Um, and so when you factor those things in with, when you factor those things in with the recruiting, with the on-field success, um, there's there's a very clear signal that this is a sustainable thing that's being built and to me like the trajectory of this program is sky high whereas if you were to look at someone like mel tucker after one year where he won more games than he really deserved to win on the field analytically um and the it was all based on one running back transfer and then they didn't follow it up on the recruiting trail the off-field stuff was a disaster like yeah that that doesn't make a lot of sense but that is not at all what's happening here at oregon the people running the program are a lot smarter than that That was Doug.
No, no, sorry, I was just coming off mute. No, no, well said. Uh, any other thoughts on the landing contract before we move on? No, I'm just excited to see what that, like what, because landing doesn't take that contract if it doesn't mean more money for other stuff, whether right. it's recruiting, whether it's recruiting uh, budgets or other support staff budgets, assistant pools. Um, he doesn't take that without those things as well. Um, so I'm really excited to see what that looks like and, and what those numbers are um, as we as more hires are made. Yeah, and I think some of those will, most of those will probably be more things you see play out like either either right before the football season starts or or, or after the season. Most, most most of it will happen after the season, right? As you get to the December and January, which is when you have your assistant coaching contract extensions or new hires or or things like that. So I think we'll have to wait a little while to see most of that, um, just due to the point in time we're at in the cycle right now. But I agree. Yeah, I mean it's probably going to be next off season. Yeah, they're like yeah, but but those funds are there, right? They're there. You have this massive new indoor practice facility and, and facility upgrades um, on the horizon. Um, and NIL is very clearly not an issue for Oregon at this stage. I think they're just being very um, responsible with the way that they're utilizing it. Um, and so that's, that to me is extraordinarily exciting. Everything is looking up. I'm, I cannot be, I, I, I can't think of, feeling this bullish on the future of the Oregon football program, uh, at least since, you know, the Mariota days. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, on our last episode together, a few weeks back, we, we introduced home field apparel and, and they had, they've been very generous to sponsor a couple of giveaways for us. So, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring them up and tout them a little bit more. If you haven't already ordered your, Oregon Ducks apparel from Homefield. You definitely want to get on there and do that. Um, and we still have one of our gift cards to give away because we missed a few of the lists on the last go around, a few of the top 10 running back lists. So we're going to go over those and give out another gift card, QB. Yeah, yeah, you're actually kind of lucky because there's not very many lists to go through here. So um, with that in mind, and you kind of know what our bias is, um, we'll, we'll select our favorite list. And uh, I think we're going to give Doug a lot more of a say in this one so that maybe it's a little bit different <laughs> criteria. So um, you want right. to fire off some lists? Yeah. I got to go back and find, fill some time while I go find the, the first one. Yeah. I actually got a listener question that was DM to me on Twitter um, that I, it was sent over a week ago. So please forgive me again. I was out of town. Um, let me find it. So this is from Max. Uh, and it says, greetings, quarter QB. My uh, listener question is, if you were an offensive coordinator in the Pac-12, how would you attack the Oregon defense? Um, well, I think the way that Washington did last year is probably a good way to start. I think that at least with the personnel that was available last year, um, stretching vertically, doing, getting as many, like playing a lot of 10 personnel and getting as many small bodies on the field as possible um, to basically, and this is just true across college football, if you have a lot of guys that, that are good pass catchers, um, it's it's very likely that you have one or two more than there are good uh, good coverage guys on the other team, and so um, you can create a lot of matchups for yourself in the slot um, and by, by formation and passing concepts, you can create a lot of opportunities. And so um, I think, given given the some of the unknowns, I guess, and some of the projections that are required at corner and safety right now, um, again, I'm pretty bullish on the talent that was brought in at those spots. 
I would still think that the best way to attack this Oregon defense, especially if you're a Pac-12 Pac team, is through the air. Um, because I think that this front seven is going to be really stout against the run. I lose you, Doug. Uh, no, thank you for covering. And I have the lists in front of me. And these are all the ones that left us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts with their lists. So appreciate all of you uh, for doing that. I'm going to read the review and the list because, hey, who doesn't love to, to hear good things said about them? Hopefully, only if they're good, of course. Uh, we'll start with uh, Tsunami. Our buddy Tsunami says, this is the best Oregon podcast. Only college football podcast I listen to. Thank you very much for that. I would recommend listening to several of the national podcasts. Cover three is really good. Um, Hate show is good. Hate show is great. Um, for those who don't listen, who like they don't do a ton of college football stuff, but the college football stuff they do is actually my favorite. Uh, Bet the board um, is a really good uh, betting podcast. There's not a guarantee they're going to talk about Oregon every week. They usually pick six to seven games that they really like. But I think with the way that our schedule sets up this year, we're going to be talked a lot, a lot more than um, than we were a year ago. Fair enough. Okay, Tsunami's list. Number one, well, Michael James. Number two, Royce Freeman. Number three, Jonathan Stewart. Four, Kenyon Barner. Five, DeAnthony. Six, Ontario. Seven, Jeremiah Johnson. Eight, Derek Lavelle. Nine, Terrence Whitehead. Oh, I know that's going to hurt his standing with you. Uh, and, I'll let uh, you make the call. And ten, Bucky Irving. Um, Actually, I, I like this list for the most part. It's a really Again, good I, list. Yeah, I'm a Whitehead hater. I'd like to see Ruben Jones on the list. Um, and by the way, these all came in before we released the last podcast. Yeah, so no, that's they're great. Not cheating. Not, they're not cheating yeah, from like hearing what we were saying. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I like that that's on the list. Um, I personally would have Stewart and Barner ahead of Stewart or sorry, ahead of um, Freeman. Um, yeah. But Freeman did just get picked up by an NFL team today. So I like I like the ten. You know, outside of maybe a couple in the in the bottom, like I like. You know, you got LaMike, you got Kenyon, you got Stewart, you got Royce, you got Ontario, you got Jeremiah Johnson, you got Derek Lovell. Like it's, and, and uh, you know, him putting Bucky Irving on there. Like, you know, we talked about that at yeah. length on the last episode. This is a strong list. Okay, so it's the leader leader right now. I think, I think if you were to like, it's, it's like to get the right 10, I think if you took um, Jeremiah Johnson and Terrence Whitehead out and you swapped in uh, LeGarrette Blunt and... um. Uh, wow, Ruben Drones. I think you would have the right. Like that would be the. 10. Yeah, not having drones is is definitely a a mark off. Yeah, because like I I yeah. think I like I prefer drones to Smith personally. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, next one. Please note this is coming from a 24 year old. So any back before Michael James is relatively unknown for me. <laughs> That's totally. This fair. is from. This is from uh, MNGBFB. And I know Tsunami's a younger cat, too. Like, I think yeah. he's probably even younger. I think he's in his early 20s, like 21, 22. So, which is crazy because I remember when I met him on the boards. Well, nobody knew this at the time. Like, I started oh, posting yeah. on Scoop Duck when I was like 15. So, but he was younger than me um, at the time. It was like, I'm, 20, I'm 28 now. And I started posting on eDuck back in like 2009, 2008. Um, so I was still in high school myself. Some of the kids that I was talking about then were my teammates. It's kind of funny. Um, well, apparently one of our listeners thinks I'm in my twenties. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say me too. Oh, yeah. You're so hip. Yeah. You're, you're so out of pocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little inside joke there. Um, 
please note this is coming. Okay, I said that already. Okay, number one, LaMichael. Number two, uh, Stewart. Number three, Barner. Number four, Royce. Number five, DJ. What does he mean by CJ? Burdell. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Six, Saladin McCullough. Seven, Bucky. Eight, Derek Lavelle. Nine, Travis Dye. Ten, Terrence Whitehead. Um, okay. Gosh, he had me in the top five. The top five was solid. He yeah, he had the me. Half. Yeah. Because I like his top five order better than better than Tsunami's. I like his top four order really a lot. Um, but I like I don't think that Travis Dye or CJ Verdell are top ten backs. No, I, w- I, d- I would agree with that. Okay, Tsunami's still the leader for me then. Okay. This one from our buddy Jay Erickson. Best podcast for Duck fans. Thank you, Jay Erickson. Uh, his list. Number one, Stuart. Number two, LaMichael. Number three, Kenyon. Four, DeAnthony. Five, Royce. Six, Ruben Drones. Seven, Byron Marshall. We'll shout out to Byron there. Eight, Ontario. Nine, LeGarrette. Ten, Jeremiah Johnson. It's another good list. I like that list. I like that list. I like that he had LeGarrette. Yeah, he dropped off some of the guys that we kind of are struggling with being on the list, and he added some of the ones we we said we would have liked to have seen on there. And I also like his top order a little better than Tsunami's. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with this one so far as yeah, the leader. Yeah, I'm with you. Jay Erickson's at the the new leader. Okay, next one from Bob Dole Pinto. Interesting name. Uh, it says the best Oregon podcast. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Are you Michael, on his name? I'm not. This is funny. This is funny. Just Bob make, Dole Pinto. Just, like, does Bob Dole sure. drive a Pinto? I don't know. But I don't know. Is this Pintos Bob Dole? Cool. Is this the you, Bob Dole? Why are you hating on Pintos? They're kind of cool. <laughs> uh, I would I would drive a Pinto. Uh, don't you already? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, his list: Lamichael, Jonathan Stewart, Kenyon, Ontario Smith, Ruben Drones, Royce Freeman, DeAnthony Thomas, Mel Renfro, Maurice Morris, and Terrence Whitehead. A strong top. Kind of lost me in the second half there. If you just drop Terrence Whitehead and Adley Garrett Blunt, I, this is the winner. You like it better than Erickson's, huh? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I got Erickson still. Okay. Reno Tahoe Duck. Number one Oregon football podcast. This is the only deck-centric podcast I listen to consistently. Doug and QB do their homework and provide unbiased analysis of Oregon and the rest of the Pac-12. Best duck podcast out there. Thank you. Thank you, Reno. I really appreciate this gasoline that people are pouring on our fire. I know. That's we really, need to read really, reviews more often. This is great. Yeah, this is this feels really good. Like genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Like we, we joke around a lot, but like uh it means a lot. Like this is this is something that we do for fun. Um and we obviously do it for free. I mean, every once in a while we'll get like a cool perk from home field or we'll get um like we have some people who are awesome and subscribe, um, which help us fund things like paying for the software you we use to record. Um, but this is just a passion project for us. And so we really appreciate the kind words and that people actually enjoy it. Cause being honest with you guys, if two people listen to it and no one enjoyed it, we probably wouldn't do it. So, um, we no. appreciate you guys a lot. All right. On to the list. LaMichael, Stewart, Barner, Royce, Ruben, Bobby Moore, Derek Lavelle, Maurice Morris, Smith, Blunt. I might have to give it to him. Okay. I think Bobby Moore is too high. I think more of him as a receiver, but 
Yeah, LaMichael, Stewart, Barner, Royce, Drones. Let's compare that to Erickson. Had Stewart, James, Barner, Thomas, Freeman, then Drones. I'm kind of with you. I think Reno... I think Reno's got a better list. I mean, I think, like you said, I think Bobby Moore is more of a receiver. But he is a really good player, but he's right? Got like, I, I think that... He's got Smith on there. He's got Morris on there. He's got Blunt on there. He's got Derek yeah. Bell on there. So he's got a little bit. I like that he's got a mix of old old school guys, too. And I don't blame anybody who's But younger. it's the right old school guys? I, I was going to say, it's the right old school guys, right? Like, I've watched a lot of the old school guys play, and, like, there's some that get hyped up that I'm not all that crazy about. Um, but I think a lot of these backs specifically are really good players. Um, and right. he's not like he's not just throwing in like a Terrence Whitehead to prove that he was a Duck fan before 2007, right? Or that he looked at the 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 top the like the top rushing list and saw Whitehead's name on there. Yeah, no, this is yeah. uh, this is to me the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I'm with you, Reno. You're the leader for now. Okay, we got a few more to go here still. Actually, more than a few. Okay, Brienne Sweet says best duck podcast this is for sure the best ducks podcast out there i feel like some others are too corporate losing depth in the analysis and takes keep it up guys thank you very much brianne another thing i want to say real quick like this podcast is never going to be for casuals like that's not that's not the our target audience like we want diehard duck fans and we want people that want to go deep into the weeds like it would not be fun for us to sit here and talk about things on a very surface level um and so I appreciate that there's a lot of people that like to nerd out and go deep into the weeds with us. Totally agree. We said that on our very first episode that we our intent is to go deep and and uh, we try to do that as much as possible. Speaking of, we need to get Hithliday back on for his uh, Oregon deep dive when we can record like eight hours and, and cut it up into however many episodes we need. Yeah. Yeah, I was I kinda what I'm hoping is that we can get like a week into fall camp see what we like can like hear from people that we know inside the program um so that we have a little bit more to go off of in terms of like how depth charts are shaping up and how we're like what position guys are fitting in at um because i think that spring ball is kind of an incomplete picture at times makes sense okay brianne says number one will michael number two royce three kenyon four Derek lavelle five bobby moore six jonathan stewart seven dat Eight CJ, nine Terrence Whitehead, ten Travis Die. Uh, just missed the cut. Byron Marshall, Jeremiah Johnson, Saladin McCullough, Ruben Drones, and and she jokingly said Masoli. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> um, not a bad. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. a good joke. Yeah, it's a fine list. I don't think it's better than the other one. No, no, Reno's still the leader, but I, I especially like the top top five, six, seven. Um, I think the. I would disagree with the, the back three on that one. So thank you very much, Brienne. Okay. Uh, next one from T Anderson, 1995. Says. Good year. Yeah. All right. What do they call it in wine? Like that's a good vintage. A good vintage. Yeah. That, that 95 vintage was strong. That's a strong vintage. Uh, number one, LaMichael. Number two, Royce. Three, Kenyon. Four, Stewart. Five, Renfro. Six, DeAnthony Thomas. Seven, Ruben. Eight Smith, nine Jeremiah Johnson, and number ten, another old school back we haven't heard yet today, Ricky Whittle. Okay, so I had a long. So I brought up Ricky Whittle because I don't remember watching him because I don't think I was alive. Um, and like, so little backstory: like the people we sit with, my dad and all of his best friends from college, they've been going. They've had season tickets since like the early '80s. Um, and like, there was a very like deep 
hard fought argument in our group chat with my dad and his friends about Ricky Whittle, if he belongs on these lists um, and the no disrespect, Ricky, if you're listening to this, but the, the consensus was, is that he doesn't. Um, and I, but I like that you're trying to go off the beaten path a little bit and bring up somebody else from the past. And the fact that you're doing it at the bottom of your list and you're not just, again, plugging in somebody who was super productive over like a four or five year career as the main back, but wasn't actually all that special. I can appreciate. I just don't think that this list is better than the other list. Yeah. Uh, so for the record, QB hates Ricky Whittle and Terrence Whitehead. And I don't hate Ricky that They suck. I just think that like, I don't think this needs to be over. <laughs> Again, I don't think this needs to be overcomplicated. And, and here's the deal. Like, uh, unfortunately it's, it's our criteria matters. My criteria matters because we're the ones deciding who gets the gift card. Uh, but I understand different criteria. Like some people are like, well, hey, like they played the games, they accumulated the stats, they deserve to be in these positions on the list. That's totally fine if that's how you're going to run your competition. But for us and for for myself personally, I'm more of if I took any of these players and I dropped them in fall camp, like obviously in their prime, not at 40 years old. But if I dropped them into fall camp today, how would they shape up? And some of the guys that I think are getting put on these lists wouldn't even be like top three backs on this Oregon team in 2023. So like, that's where I'm like, like if you drop Kenyon Barner or Michael James or Jonathan Stewart on this team, they're the number one back. Yeah, I got you. And that's why I don't get mad if people put Bucky on these lists. Cause I think that by the time it's all said and done at the end of this year, as long as he stays healthy, like Bucky will be very, like it'll, he'll be a consensus top 10 back in my opinion. I mean, you can I would, I would agree. Uh, and I don't like think his, you can for, for a 190 pound back, his yard his like average yards after contact were sixth in the country last year. Like that's insane. And his elusive rating is incredibly high. Like he's, he's a really good back. Yes. Very strong. Uh, I was going to say, you know, you, if you're going to allow LeGarrette Blunt, who had essentially one season at Oregon to be on the list, then you have to allow. Pucky Irving, who has also had one season to be on the list. And and those seasons are actually pretty comparable when you look at them statistically. I'd actually say Bucky's might be a little stronger. Um, and and obviously he's got a whole other season to go. So yeah, totally agree with you. All right. Uh next one. Carolina Duck says top ten. She even put her Twitter handle in there, or he put the Twitter handle in there. So oh, he's easy playing, to contact he them. Yeah, I was gonna say he's like he's like I'm gonna win this gift card, and so I need you to have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need you to have this ready. Uh, top ten: uh, Lamichael, Kenyon, Jonathan Stewart, DeAnthony Thomas, Derek Lavelle, Terrence Whitehead, Royce Freeman, Ontario Smith, Jeremiah Johnson, Ricky Whittle. I don't think favorite, you're winning the gift my, card there. My favorite top four though so far. It was a really good top four. Okay. Uh, VSF O B X D Y. I don't know what that, I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, they wrote, thank you very much for this. The best ducks podcast, been a fan since of QB since the Twitter spaces, the night before Dan was hired. (laughs) Also get their, put their Twitter, Twitter handle in here. Top 10 list. LaMichael James, Jonathan Stewart, Royce Freeman, Kenyon Barner, Jeremiah Johnson, Dat, Bobby Moore, Derek Lavelle, Maurice Morris, LeGarrette Blunt. It's a pretty good list. Yeah, swap out Bobby Moore for Ruben Drones, and I think you might have me. Yeah, I'm going back to Reno because Reno's still yeah. the leader for me, I think. Read me Reno's one more time. Yeah, I'm just going to do a real quick. There's uh, no Whitehead on Reno's, right? No. 
or a whittle. Um, Reno, 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 Reno. Where are you, Reno? Off memory, I'm going to Reno, but I want you to read it again. Yeah, as soon as I find it, I will. Yeah, you want to hurry up? Okay, here it is. Normal um, podcasting. Michael, Stewart, Barner, Royce, Drones, Moore, Lavelle, Morris, Smith, Blunt. Yeah, yep, that wins. Reno wins. Reno is going to be really tough to top. I think the only way you're going to top me is if you have the same the same backs in a better order. Yeah, or maybe you get Dat on there because he doesn't have Dat on his. Yeah, like if uh, you, we've if still you got a Bobby... lot more. But yeah, I love that. Let's keep uh, rolling. We got yeah, keep rolling. We got a lot of these. Okay, uh, Tbot six fifty eight, the rational voice of the Oregon Ducks, says. I, I hope he's talking about us in this review because that was the headline of his. No, review. he's talking about himself. <laughs> He Could is be. the rational voice. He is the rational voice. Okay. Uh, LaMichael, Rolls-Royce, Jonathan Stewart, Kenyon Barner, Maurice Morris, Ontario Smith, Terrence Whitehead, Ricky Whittle, DeAnthony Thomas, Derek Lavelle. Still going with Reno. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with Reno still. I like, again, I could tell, like, you can always tell, like, what era fans came up into. Um, and, like, I'm, I don't want to, like, ruin anyone's, like, like, I'm probably biased towards Jonathan Stewart because of the age I was when Jonathan Stewart was Oregon's running back in the games that like he really went off in. Um, and I'm sure that other people have that bias for backs of different eras. So yeah, um, I, there I is definitely that kind of, it's want... kind of like music, right? It's like, you know, it hits that when you, you know, it's a hit your certain age range when you're coming of age and it's the thing that you're familiar with in that time period. It just resonates more for some reason. Um, Interestingly, we got a couple of reviews with no lists, but I'm going to read them anyway because why not? Um, Mango Wits, Mango Mango Skins says the best ducks podcast out there, by far the best duck po- duck podcast on the market. Thank you very much. Five star review. This one is per- I'm not going to read their name because it's perplexing to me. Here's what they wrote: All things ducks. This is the best Oregon football podcast on the market, and they gave us four star review. <laughs> wait <laughs> okay so i guess they have really high standards yeah, they're looking I'm, for something they, maybe, even better they're looking they, for they something they're the, they the best fat, of what they don't consider to be they like, could have fat fingered it or we're just missing a trait right like we're like a 0. Yeah. 0.974 we could star. be better we could be better yeah well we can that's true all if right, this is the best list they have to update that to a five star or else i'm not giving them the uh, they didn't give a list so they just gave a review Okay, oh, that's next, very sweet review. next review does come with a list. Uh, George S., show me the money. I'm dropping this review for a chance at the $100 gift card, but please also know that this is the best college football podcast on the West Coast. All right, we'll take Damn it. Damn right. Well-reasoned opinions based on tape, metrics, and experience must listen for Duck fans. With that said, here's my list. Number one, LaMichael. Number two, Derek Lavelle. Number three, Ahmad Rashad. Number four, Jonathan Stewart. Number five, Roy Streeman. Six, Jeremiah Johnson. Seven, Alphonse Lehmans. Eight, Terrence oh, Whitehead. Nine, Dat. Ten, Renfro. This is quite yeah. an eclectic list. It is a like this is like the uh, this is like the guy that that collects guitars, right? Like everyone has a story. Like you know what I mean? I don't um, know who Alphonse Lehmans is, and maybe that makes me a bad Duck fan, but. Yeah, I look don't at that. know who that is. You guys hear that? Doug's like 60 years old and he doesn't even know who the old back is. That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jeez. You're killing me. You're yeah, killing no, me it's fast. um it's um it's not gonna be my favorite list. Um no. 
No, I still go with Reno. Yeah, I'm gonna roll with Reno, but I do like that again. I like that we're seeing some deep cuts, right? Like we're seeing some names that we don't hear often. Yeah, yeah, I like the variety. It's good to get different people's perspective. 100. percent And again, like like I've, I'll say this for the 60,000th time: like just because we disagree doesn't mean that your list isn't right. It's just that, like, unfortunately, we're the judges. It's an opinion. Everyone yeah. has an opinion. There's no definitive uh, right or wrong here. Okay, we got like seven more. So next one up. I didn't have no idea we had this many. I appreciate everyone's reviews. Um, Spanther Trades says, the best podcast if you're an Oregon Duck fan. QB always has top-notch analysis. J-Hop is simply the best when it comes to Ducks football recruiting news. And Doug makes it an entertaining show. Well, I'm glad I had something. I look forward to it every week. Only wish it was bi-weekly. Thank you guys for putting this together. Well, it is bi-weekly during the season. It's tri-weekly this week. It is. That's right. You're getting three Wait. times the fun. Yeah. Well, that and like Doug. Doug's also like the pretty face, right? Like I've got a face for radio. Uh, <laughs> Justin, you can't see him because he's too short for the for the camera. And then we've got Doug as the face of the of the pod. The sixty year old face of the pod. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, did I read his list? He didn't give a you're, list. He just gave it. You're, you're a you're a sturdy forty five. Sturdy. <laughs> No list from him, but I appreciate the uh, the kind words. So next one up, Ball is Life, though, says best Oregon running backs. Five star review. OK, OK. I would just like to say that this was tough. First, I limited this to just running backs to most adequately follow the prompt. If that wasn't the case, I was going to try and include Marcus Dixon and Masoli in some form or other. Secondly, I went off of backs I've watched in my lifetime. I'm sorry, Derek Lavelle. I'm sure you were great. <laughs> stats are helpful but this is more about vibes so let's dive in i like the intro like i can't yeah, give me too. Honestly, bonus like, points for i am too because like i understand where he's coming from now whereas like with these other ones we're just gonna have to take him at face value and so now i'm like all right let's feel the vibes like what are the vibes okay well here's the first vibe he's giving me a reverse order number 10 terrence whitehead Hey, that's uh, fine. If he's 10, but if it's vibes, yeah. like, we'll see. Okay. Uh, number nine, Ruben Drones. I'm going to have to, I'm actually going to go back and read this in the other order because it's hard to think about it in this way when we've been reading everything one through 10. So yeah. Can you just start, start from the bottom? Out. Yeah. Number one, LaMichael. Uh, actually, he wrote, I'm going to be clear, LaMichael Keandre James. So apparently he's very tight with LaMichael and he has his middle name. Got it. Uh, number two, Dat. Number three, Jonathan Stewart. Number four, Kenyon Barner. Number five, LeGarrette Blunt. Number six, Jeremiah Johnson. Seven, Maurice Morris. Eight, Ontario Smith. Nine, Ruben Drones. And ten, Terrence Whitehead. Okay. He kind of had me at the top five. Yeah, I, not the order, but the the num the names. I don't know. I like I can I can get behind the order too. You can be behind Dat as number two. Um, let me make the argument for Dat. I think that Dat is the most special athlete that's ever played, like non-quarterback, the most special athlete that's ever played at Oregon. I yes. there will never, I don't think there will ever be another DeAnthony Thomas. No. And the the things that DeAnthony Thomas did are things that nobody else on this list can do, not even Michael James. He's just not a running back. But <laughs> I mean, he had two carries against Wisconsin for like 160 yards and two touchdowns. I know, I know. He was a running back. Like it, it wasn't all he did because he was so talented. He did other things well too. And obviously, from a stature standpoint, and you got to also consider like you played with Lamichael James and Kenyon Barner. I know, I know. So 
I I can hear. I'm hoping some DeAnthony. I, I just like if you have a category for like I'm crazy just, special I, listen, player listen, who didn't have a designated position, he's number. Hear one. ye, hear ye, Douglas TS. All I'm saying is, playing devil's advocate, I can at least understand an argument for Dat being the second highest back on the list. Fair enough. Now the question is: Is this list better than Reno's? It's a pretty good list. I'm going to give you that. I am inclined to say no, because I think the list goes a little off the rails between like six and eight for me. All right, let me go with the top five again: Lamichael, DeAnthony, Jonathan, Kenyon, Legarrette, and then if I go, I back love to that. Reno, like that top five to me, like it might be the right five. Here's Reno's: Lamichael, Stewart. Barner, Roy Strones. So I don't know how you don't have Stewart. He doesn't have Stewart on his list at all. Oh no, he's got Stewart. Um, he doesn't have Freeman. Is... In, he doesn't have Freeman in his top five, and I actually kind of like that he doesn't have Freeman in his top five. I don't disagree with that, but I don't know. Like, how... Again, and I'm oh wait, he has that... Jonathan Stewart at third. I'm. I take that back. He has Stewart. He has Royce oh, Freeman okay. at like six, right? Um, he didn't have Royce on the list at all. Okay, that's kind of an oversight. We can't forgive. Like he is the all-time leading rusher. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with Reno still. Like but I do like some of the stuff on here. If he would have had like like who who was the Take Whitehead was off. bottom <laughs> Whitehead yeah, well, was who, ten. Who else did he have in his bottom uh, five? Uh Jeremiah, Maurice Morris, Ontario Smith, Ruben Drones, Terrence Whitehead. Yeah, if you can replace Terrence Whitehead and Jeremiah Johnson for me with Royce Freeman plus one, I think you I think that's a winning list. Yeah. I I you gotta have Royce on the list. I Yeah, he has somewhere. to be in the top ten. I, I don't have any issues with them not having in his top five, and I, th- I think that there's good justifications for that. But I, to me, I think he's right around five. Ooh. I'm just peeking ahead at the next list. Okay, let's see it. I, I'm curious now what you're going to think of this. All right, Ducks 2008, A+. Plus. I'm not putting guys I didn't see on the list. I'm not counting Dat as a running back. I don't think you can handle this heat. Ontario Smith is the most slept-on Duck running back. His game versus... Washington State was the best running back performance. Pause. No, history. USC 2012 Kenyon Barner is the best running back performance ever. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just. I know. I'm just. Him. I'm just correcting him yeah. so that when he listens okay. back to the podcast, he can be enlightened. No, I'm kidding. That right. that that was an, a hell of a performance. But he's got Jonathan Stewart one, a Michael number two, Ontario Smith number three, number four Ruben Drones, number five Kenyon Barner, number six Maurice Morris, number seven Legarrette Blunt, number eight Jeremiah Johnson. Number nine, Royce Freeman. Number 10, Ricky Whittle. Okay. I like this list because he has Stewart one, because Stewart's one on my list. That is true. Have I given I think Otero Smith's a little a little Otero Smith's a little high, but I like I like his top nine. Like I think the top nine all belong on this list. Yeah. Which I, I can't say as much about some of the other lists we've seen. Maybe you take Whittle off and you put on Dat, or or you put on a, a, you know, somebody else. But I feel like he's not missing anyone that I would that I think needs to be there, which some of the other lists are. Yeah. Um, I, I just think Reno. that Reno close. going back to Reno, who's the leader in the clubhouse. He's got Lamichael, Stewart, Barner, Royce, Drones, Bobby Moore, Derek Lavelle. Morris, Smith, and Blunt. So I think they have nine of the same guys. The difference is Bobby Moore or Ricky Whittle. I think he's got the right top three. I just don't like, I, I like slightly disagree with the order. What do you like better, Reno? Yeah, I like Reno's. You like Reno's better a little bit still. Okay. 
I'm with you there. All right, Reno, you're still the leader. Okay. Next, next one. This is from somebody called Minnesota to Oregon. A must follow for any Ducks fan. This isn't just a narrative pod when it comes to the Ducks. It dives into the deeper picture over the roster, recruiting, in-game analysis, and doesn't sugarcoat shortcomings past and present. This is our Brian Abbey, our friend Brian. Um, do we count Dat as a hybrid wide receiver running back? If so, he's in the five to seven range. Bucky is number 11 right now just because he's lacking a second season for now. Okay, now here's his list. Number one, LaMichael. Number two, Jonathan Stewart. Number three, Royce. Number four, Barner. Number five, Drones. Number six, Morris. Number seven, Lavelle. Number eight, Ontario. Number nine, Blunt. Number 10, Bobby Moore. Can you give me his top five again? LaMichael, Stewart, Royce, Barner, Drones. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. What's his bottom five? Bottom five is sorry, I'm scrolling. Um, Morris, Lavelle, Smith, Blunt, Bobby Moore. And he said, Dat, if Dat counts as a running back, he belongs in the five to seven range. Okay, this is my new fa- this is my new favorite. Yeah, list. I'm I'm with him because I think I mean it's a little bit of cheating. But caveating that Dat would would be in that range if he counts is to me that's the right range. I think Dat in the top three or four is too high uh, as a running back only. Um, yeah. And, but I but I like including in saying that he belongs. I like this. I'm I'm with you. This is my number one now. This is my number one. I think Lamichael and Stewart being the top two. I would probably argue for Barner over Royce, but I, that's quibbling a little bit. Drones at five makes that I think is the right place. I think he is a top five. I like having Morris and Lavelle and Smith on there and Blunt. I, I do. I think this is the right list. Okay. <clears throat> Moving to our buddy Polar Bear. Love the show. Always a good show. Polar Bear. Top 10 running backs. Well, Michael, Jonathan, Kenyon, Ruben Drones, DeAnthony Thomas, Ontario Smith, Bobby Moore, Royce Freeman, Terrence Whitehead, Bucky Irving. I love the top five. Polar Bear, love the top yeah, five. Yeah, I think the last list is still stronger, but I think that's a good list. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it fell off a little bit at the backside. Okay, uh, Jay, Jace Roth says, great podcast. Here's my running back list. Number one, James. Number two, Stewart. Number three, Barner. Number four, Drones. Number five, Dat. Number six, Morris. Number seven, Royce. Number eight, Smith. Number nine, Blunt. Number 10, Bucky. Another good one. Getting harder. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm right, sticking with the the other one. Okay, I gotta look at the top five again of each. What was the one we picked? Oh, the Dat one. Okay, he had Lamichael Stewart, Royce Barner, Drones, and this one is Lamichael Stewart, Barner, Drones, Dat, Royce, all the way down at number seven. So that is Royce top five or not top five? He's not in mine. I just did mine just to make sure, but yeah, he's not in my top five. If he's not in yours, then I think you would like this one better. I just, I don't like his back five as much. Okay. And I don't have any real issues with Freeman being in your top five because, again, he is the all-time leading rusher. So, like, Freeman's not someone I'm going to, I'm not going to die on the hill of having Freeman in or out. You know what I mean? Right. Gotcha. All right, we got one more. High Hot Timbers says, top ten running backs. 
Number one, LaMichael. Number two, Stewart. Number three, Drones. Number four, Barner. Number five, Dad. Number six, Royce. Number seven, Ontario. Number eight, Ahmad Rashad, Bobby Moore. Number nine, Saladin McCullough. Number 10, Blunt. Yeah. McCullough's, McCullough's kind of the the one on there that sticks out. Yeah, I still I still like the other list better. Have you put All a right. have you have you done a list, Doug? Because I'd be interested to hear yours. I I did. It was a long time ago. I don't have it handy. I I mean, if I was going to do it off the top of my head, since we've been talking about it, sure. I I gotta have I gotta have Stewart number one, Lamichael number two. I put Barner three. I don't have Dad on my list for the reasons I mentioned because I don't. I don't consider him a running back, but um, I would say probably drones after. Uh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you go. Sorry. Uh, probably drones. I'd put Smith uh, next, and then I'd probably bring Royce in at that point, like in that six to seven range. Um, and then Blunt would, would probably be in the eight to ten range, something like that. Morris would be on there as well. I think the top ten... I think I've gotten and through this process has helped me kind of solidify talking it out over the over the last couple episodes. I, I think too. I feel I feel like I have a strong top ten. Now you can quibble about the order, but I feel like the top ten are pretty, to my mind, solidified now. So, yeah, I think we've we've picked the one. So this is mine, and again, mine is like there. I'm going to have Dad on mine because I think like again with my criteria, if I dropped them on the current roster, I think Dad. Even if he was, even if you were not allowed to split him out, and he only could play in the backfield as an elite running back. Sure. So, with that in mind, so like I would go Stewart one, and this is where people are going to want to crucify me, but I've had this feeling for a long time, and I'm not going to change it for the podcast. I got Barner two, James three. I think I think Barner was the better of those two backs. Um, James was higher production; he was more durable. Um, but I, I, again, I still stand behind. I think that what Barner did in 12 is better than any of James's seasons. And I think he was a better runner. He was more patient and instinctive. Whereas James was a thousand miles an hour in the, in whatever direction he pointed him. He was more of a high energy runner. Whereas I think James Barner had like truly unique run instincts. Um, I go blunt at four again. I, I think that if you drop blunt on this team, he would be absolutely disgusting. Like I think, I think that you also have to factor again. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for what they did at Oregon. And I'm not saying that NFL means everything, but blunt had the longest NFL career of any of these backs by like a pretty wide margin him, him and Stewart did. And so I think he has to be in the top five for that. I understand he got suspended. I think the punch adds to his allure for me. So blunts number four, I go dat five and then I go drones, Freeman, Morris, Lavelle, Irving for my bottom five. Have I left you speechless? No, I was just typing them into into the thing here. I I I I think we're we're in the right range. I I would put Blunt a little lower. Yeah, um, I think the way I look at this compared to the way you look at it is I I don't consider NFL at all. Like it's a non-factor because well, I'm no, I'm not, and I'm not using backs. it as a factor. I'm just saying like it is like like I'm not saying it's a criteria. I'm just saying it's that, a like, factor because the way you, because your criteria is who would I want if I just took this person off the street in their prime and put them on the field? Who do I think's the best running back? And so I understand why the NFL. The NFL had helps explain. I'm just saying that, that like, it's, in, it's not part of my criteria. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, but it, it helps explain. Hurt, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. hurt. Like explain that he has a really an elite skill set that he was able to be 
like either a primary or secondary running back in the league for 10 years. Like in the same way that Stewart was yeah. like Stewart's number one, um, because I think he's the most physically gifted running back that Oregon's ever had. And I don't think that's particularly arguable. Um, yeah. And then yeah, I just say for me, yeah, for me, the way I look at it is it's a combination of, of career production, single season production, kind of impact on the program or games. Right. And, and then talent. Right. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to blend in my mind, like all of those things together. And it's, so it's a different set of criteria and I'm not saying yours is wrong or mine's yeah. right. It's and like, different when, we talk, when we talk about like the early Gary Campbell running backs, I think of guys like drones, Morris and Smith, Ontario Smith. Yeah. Like to me, like I, I'll hear arguments for drones or Morris, but I think Smith is very clearly the third of those three. Um, yeah, so he's off my list for that reason, and I I prefer Bucky Irving. Um, I think that Ontario Smith's a really good player. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from his career, but um, I think I would have him in a similar category to like Byron Marshall, who's just off my list as well. Um, and I think that's kind of where like someone like Travis Dye, I, CJ Verdell's not anywhere close to my list, but I think because I think Travis Dye was the better running back out of those two players, um, despite the fact that he never wore gloves and fumbled and drove me nuts and was tiny <laughs> and had no reason to be as good as he was, but he was just because he's a die and they're good at football. Um, but yeah, like, and th- there's some older well, it was, it, 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 that I'm I'd just be, not I familiar with. I would have been interested to see die or CJ play in either, either the chip Helfrich offense or, or the, you know, Kenny Stein offense. Right. I feel like, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying they would have been way better or way different or anything, but I, they, 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 those running backs were playing in a smash mouth style of football, but they're not really smash mouth style of running backs, which is, I, it's kind of weird to me. Like I, I would, they didn't seem to be the right fit. I for mean, the system we were running Lake Seastrunk would very likely be on this list had he stayed. That's how deep we were at running back in the early chip oh, era. It was crazy. Yeah. Because he went to Baylor and had like ripped off a bunch of thousand yard, was like first team all Big Twelve, and was like was unbelievable. Also, like I don't know if you heard that, but there's either an artillery barrage going on outside, uh, or some of the loudest thunder I've ever heard. So, well, uh, get your head, keep your head down. You know, stay in the bunker, be safe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've got the uh, winner identified here. Let me go back and we will announce that it was. I just walked away from my reviews. Okay. I think we decided that was going to. Who was that going to? Did we just, who was that? Did we decide that was going to the Minnesota, Oregon guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is Brian Abbey. So at Brian Abbey, uh, we will be contact. QB will be reaching out to you on Twitter at Brian Abbey. And we will uh, get you your gift card. Congratulations. $100. all. Go get your home field apparel before it's gone. And that goes for the rest of you as well. Um, go on and check that out. And thank you again to home field for providing, um, providing these gift cards to us. And um, obviously providing us all with some great Oregon gear that I'll be rocking at the tailgate this year. hundred percent. Hopefully I get to meet some of you guys this year. I'll be at a bunch of games. So, all right. Did we have any other listener questions, QB? I think that's the last we got for today. I think I might have had one. Let me go look. Yeah, sometimes they get DM'd and then I lose them. So let me see. I'll All scroll, right. take a peek. I know we didn't send out specifically asking for listener questions, but sometimes we just get them unsolicited, and that's great too. Yeah, um, here I do have one. So this is from Hayward Hawk, um, who 
again, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm sorry that I've been like horrible about responding. I've been out of town and like slammed at work. So, um, said, I don't know about you, but there's not a lot being discussed about USC schedule this year. Not necessarily the games or teams that they play, but the fact that at, that after week three, they have nine games in a row. Five out of the last six of those games will be the toughest of their year without a break. Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington. I would like to hear your take on the challenge they will be faced trying to not only win those games, but stay healthy in the process. This is from Hayward Hawk. You want to you give this one a rip first, Doug? Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about their schedule quite a bit or a little bit, at least. And when we kind of covered the whole Pac-12 schedule a couple months back when it was released, I think back in the spring, it's definitely a factor. And I think that's why we talked about it. You know, if you look at the close, especially, I think they have, they have that stretch where five out of six games are against, you know, nine or 10 win teams from a year ago. Right. And the only break in there is the Cal game, which, you know, I mean, Cal's going to bring it. Uh, so it's still you still got to play, and and most of those five or six, especially you get to the back back half of those six games, you're talking about again, no buy, right? So they'll be on you know week week six, week seven, week eight, week nine in a row. It is definitely a factor. I think um, it's always a factor for any team. Um, but you play Notre Dame, you play Oregon, you play Utah, you play Washington, and you play UCLA all in that stretch uh, of six weeks, and. Thankfully, you know, if you're Oregon, you're looking at this, you know, potentially that I think Oregon's in the in the backer. Yeah, let's say you're, you know, the you're, ladder, the you're coming to that. Eugene in, in November, and it's a road game. Um, so the way and I didn't you this, just play Washington and Utah the two weeks before that? Yeah, Notre Dame one week before. Well, there's there's a Cal game I think that separates Notre Dame from that cluster. Um, right, but Oregon's at the end of that cluster, so it's Notre Dame, Cal, Washington, or Utah, Washington, Oregon. Yeah, and we'll go we'll go through our own tough cluster. I think the thing that you talk about here is really depth, right? Like when injuries happen because it's football, injuries are a part of the game. It happens, and your depth is going to be tested. Like, what are the positions where USC can't afford injury? I mean, we all can't afford quarterback injuries, so that goes without saying. Um, but for a team that's not particularly deep on either line of scrimmage, I just I'm just curious after that run what it looks like for them. Like, is this a team that's even? do they have enough parts left at that point to be dependable on the offensive and defensive lines? I'm pretty confident that Oregon will. And so um, I think that's, what's going to dictate success other than Caleb Williams health um, for USC this year. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I, I think I that think their that... front line on both lines is good. Like I think, or at least like solid to good. Um, whereas like their depth is like us severely in question, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as we talked about, you know, the fact that Oregon, Washington, Utah and and um, USC all play all of each other this year, which is very different than last year, I think will it will set up for a very good um, second half of the season when most of those games happen. And and look, if you want to be in that Pac-12 title game, you got to win. I think any of those teams has to look at it as we have to win at least two of those three games, right? If you're Oregon, you got to win two of those three. If you're USC, you got to win two of those three. If you're Washington, you got to win Utah. They all got to win two of those three. They all can't win two of those three, and that's what's going to decide who's who's playing in in Vegas in December. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Okay, I do have one question, and then we'll call it a day. Um, Kelly Gamlin sent in this one. 
Question for the next pod. Last year, there was, I think, a big cliff in wide receiver snap count after the top four, Franklin, Coda, Hudson, and Thornton. Is that more attributable to Junior Adams' philosophy of not rotating uh, wide res- rotating players in and out as much and maintaining some sense of cohesiveness, cohesiveness, or is it more of an indictment of the lack of quality wide receiver depth beyond those four? As wide receiver depth is an alleged strength this year with the additions of Holden, Johnson, Bryant, and Dickey, as well as potentially Casper having another year of experience under his belt, do you expect more rotations and a deeper rotation or a similar play the best four? Yeah. Um, I think that last year was an indictment on the depth. Um, and I, I do think that ultimately like the cream will rise to the crop. Sorry, the cream will rise to the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Um, and we will end up in a situ- situation where we have in, in major situations against good teams, there will be a pared down rotation because that's what it is at every position in those games and situations. Uh, but I do think that this like in standard time against your average team is going to run a lot deeper this year um, for the reason that you mentioned uh, with the transfers. I think that Casper is coming into his own. I've heard a lot of good things about him and I've heard great things about Dickie. I know that uh, Justin had a, a, an article a couple weeks ago saying that not to be have sky high expectations right out of the gate for Dickie. I've heard the opposite. Like I've heard he's going to be a stud and they're really excited to get him on the field immediately. So um, we'll see what ends up being the case with Dickie, but even without Dickie, you have exceptional talent and depth. Uh, so I think that this is a group that goes like six or seven deep this year. Yeah. I, I think also some of that is attributable to the fact that that Oregon ran a pretty decently high percentage of 12 personnel and even 13 personnel last year. So had less wide receivers on the field. Um, I think, you know, two thirds of the time or two thirds of the time they had 11 personnel, but about a third of the time they were running with two or less wide receivers. And I think what, as you listen to the people like yourself and like Hithelday and others who have broke down Will Stein's offense, um, they're expecting, and, and also just given the fact that our tight end depth is severely reduced this year, I think we're expecting to see more three and even four wide receiver sets as well, which will also necessitate going deeper, or, you know, having more guys in the rotation. But I think I think the points you bring up are even more important is that there's just better talent and deeper down the roster at that position this year, and you're going to see more of those guys play more snaps. Yeah, yeah, but I, I know, like, if you look at Oregon's receiver recruiting efforts, both in this class and next class, like, it's pretty clear that they felt they needed to upgrade that room, so... Um, and you saw that through the portal, like every, all the actions that Junior Adams has taken, like clearing that room out and basically re-recruiting a new room, uh, tells me everything I need to know about how they felt about that room when he arrived. So uh, I think that the enhanced depth, having more of his guys on campus, will lead to deeper rotations. Well said. All right, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to let you give you any final thoughts you might have, and then you can sign us off, QB. I've got nothing. Um, I really appreciate all of the reviews, guys. Um, all of you for participating. Brian, you can look out for a DM from me with the code for the $100 gift card to, to Homefield. If you guys haven't already checked out their line, it's phenomenal. I know I ordered a bunch of stuff off there. Doug has, uh, along with a lot of others. So um, if you guys ever have questions for the pod or just want to reach out and chat, feel free to DM Doug or I. Our DMs are open at all times for you guys. Um, and we'll, we'll do our best to get back to you in a timely manner. Um, and otherwise we'll talk to you next week, um, after some practices, hopefully with some actual football to talk about.